Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to Angel on Top, a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of Angel, one by one, spoiler-free, and in tandem with Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I'm your host, LaToya Ferguson, and if you are a longtime listener of Angel on Top, that is definitely a new situation. Uh, moving forward for season three, and hopefully beyond, I will be filling the enormous shoes, just huge shoes, of Brittany and Laura. Their their shoes are just so large. It's going to be a little different. I will have a revolving door of guest hosts with me to to help me not talk by myself because as you can hear, when I have to talk by myself, it's very awkward and I start going on about shoes. Looking forward to going on this wild adventure with uh, all of you listeners to Angel on Top and this wild adventure of Angel Season 3, which uh, just by my estimation, it pretty much slaps it rips, it bangs, possibly bops, and that's just uh, what you can expect from me, the kind of analysis of television you can expect from me, a professional television critic. This week, we're watching the Angel Season 3 premiere, Heartthrob, which was written and directed by Angel showrunner David Greenwalt. It aired on the WB on September 24th, 2001, one week before the Buffy Season 6 premiere, Bargaining, on UPN. This is the one where Angel has to deal with the network change, er, death of Buffy, and is faced with his past once more in the form of a proto-Spike and Drusilla situation. here today with a couple of voices you may know Kristen Russo Jenny Owen Youngs of Buffering the Vampire Slayer what? hello my friends hello. how did hello. we get here what what's happening I do wonder at this point if they can hear the sheer terror in my voice <laughs> no 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 seasoned professional Latoya it's a big day it's a big day and I want you to know that in the intro to the first ever episode that you are anchoring here you've already taught me something you didn't even mean to and I did I had no idea that Angel aired a week before Buffy it did None. I had no clue I was doing the research basically to kind of figure out why that was. Obviously not the same network. Angel was on Monday and the Buffy was on Tuesday. So that actually kind of works in tandem. But again, these networks were not working in tandem. These networks were being very petty. uh, And we'll talk more about that. (laughs) So from what I could tell, it seems that it links up in a way with the timing of these episodes. So a certain plot point in both of them 
can happen. Exactly. Can be I also thought, because when I watched this episode today in preparation for this, the debut of season three of Angel on Top, I was thinking, well, this is a bit of like a bummer because you already know that Buffy's not dead if you've watched Bargaining. So the whole like through line of Angel grieving the loss of Buffy would be not as powerful. So I, I guess it would have had a day, but it, it having a whole week is also kind of intense for the fandom at the time. Right now, Buffy is still very much dead. <laughs> they are treating her as such. <laughs> She's dead to the WB, which means her name is not mentioned. Uh, she is <laughs> Buh or the B word. <laughs> and just when you thought that uh, the networks couldn't get more petty in this whole Buffy's no longer on the WB thing, they do. <laughs> Jenny, what did you think about that? You know, I think it's funny i think there's so much at play here like do you know something we don't know about why the wb did not renew buffy but did renew angel was it the patriarchy was it people wanting more money i don't think it was the same i think it was not the patriarchy but it was sarah specifically wanting more money because i know that when angel gets canceled it's for similarly dumb reasons it's for even more dumb reasons and we'll we'll get there eventually uh the wb and Decision making for a network I love greatly. Um, not always great, mm. <laughs> I will say. And it is kind of a, a one sided pettiness in a way because UPN will allow Buffy to say the name Angel. I will say that uh, as much as they're not allowing the B word to be said on Angel. But I think <laughs> if we pretend that the WB isn't the one who mandated this, I think it's also a good choice for Angel the show just to. Like, finally, it, it's standing on its own. And uh, I think yeah. a lot of season three it will allow that to be to be shown. And it is ridiculous, uh, the the length they go to not say the B word. But you know what? How about this? We're, we're not saying the B word until they do on Angel on Top now. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love this. I love this rule. I, I would like to also uh, point out something that I've realized in this conversation about Angel and Buffy. Oh, about <laughs> Angel and the B word starting on the same network and then splitting here. It's kind of ironic that Angel on top and Buffering the Vampire Slayer were on two separate feeds until the moment they split networks. And now we've come together. That seems powerful. We basically decided uh, we're forming the CW early. Uh, yes. That's what would happen. Horny teens. Horny <laughs> teens. I want to know in pod feed how you're feeling. You know, like we're just here. You're here. You're anchoring a podcast about Angel, a show that you love for the first time in this space. Like, how are you doing? What can we get? Do you need anything? <laughs> I just need to talk about Angel. Great. Angel season three, my first ever season of Angel. So, you know, near and dear to my heart. So this is where you began your your watch. This is where I began my watch, uh, like a few episodes wow. into season three. Yeah, This is just meant to be. It's just meant to be. You know, it's just the, the cosmos are aligning. Uh, the buttons on Angel's shirt are slowly popping off one by one. Mm. All things are coming together. I mean, we can talk about Angel's shirts. Uh, season three. <laughs> Uh, spawns a glorious time of Angel. He's wearing light blues. He's wearing some color now. It's not just straight black. And you know what? It's good to me. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. It Do is you- good. I think it's 
An interesting choice to have him in like all white and then a khaki overshirt and then a blue button up right after the love of his life has died. Mm-hmm. Interest, interesting choice to bring color in. Angel, episode one. Angel is thriving. Uh, he's uh, 30 and flirty and thriving. <laughs> he's on his own in the big city. <laughs> his best girl's got a bob now. We love to see it. Oh my uh, God. Don't even get me started on Cordelia. Don't even get me started. Let's Cordelia? get you started on Cordelia, please. Cordelia in this fucking, in this season, uh, but in this episode is, I just can't. First of all, her fucking hair. She looks phenomenal. Second of all, one of the first things that she does is she puts on a necklace and is like, so what do you think about how this brings out my breasts? And is like, you were all thinking it. And I love her. And third of all, she's like the fucking voice of reason in this whole episode. She is, uh, she is, uh, Angel may have a soul, but she is Angel's heart, basically. Oh Oh, Oh, my God. Latoya, you can't just go and do that in the middle of a recording. (laughs) (laughs) I will do that. I will be doing that a lot this season. I am sorry. She is the only one who knows Angel well enough to know. He may look great. The fact that Angel is smiling and content should should tell them something is wrong. And it's not even like set off those alarms. Yeah, it's not even like a moment of true happiness, content. It's just like a still being, which is it's not Angel. He's not brooding, so they should be worried. But they're like, we got cool (laughs) stuff. Uh, Jenny, Um, you look very upset by something that I posited, and I would love to know what it is. No, 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 no. I just have a question (laughs) with regard to one of Cordelia's looks in this episode. Right at the top, they're coming back from killing a bunch of demons, and I'm wondering if anyone can confirm. Or definitively deny whether Cordelia is wearing pajama pants? Whether Cordelia wore pajama pants Mm-mm. to the sleigh? No. It's 2000. First so of all, flowy. how dare you? And second of all, <laughs> no, Cordelia wasn't wearing pajama pants. It's probably just 2001 type style pants. I don't remember what they were, but I would have mm. noticed if they were pajamas. I would hope they were pajoveralls, but they are not. So oh, my. I'm sorry, Pajoveralls? Oh, have you not pajama heard about pa- overalls? Yeah. Pajama overalls? Pajoveralls. <laughs> You'll have to excuse me. I need to go make a purchase. I'll be right back. <laughs> so, yes, we begin our episode three months after the offense of No Place Like Plurtsglurb. I was really hoping that I would go without having to say it. I, so far, I haven't had to say it. So, thank well, you. now you can say it. Go ahead, Kristen. No, place. Kristen. Kristen. Plurtsglurb. Plurtsglurb? Plurtscurb? Plurts. It's such a P. Plurts. Glurb. Glurb. Plurtsglurb. There you go. Plurtsglurb. Uh, yeah, Cordelia was a queen um, for like a minute. And they, they, I like how they bring that into the conversation where she's like, I just really wish I could go back to Pylea. And Angel's like, well, or Wesley, somebody is like, well, you want to go back because you were a queen. Meanwhile, Fred, who can't even leave her room, was like kept as a servant for, you know, five years against her will. Yeah, it's a uh, different perspectives for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> they're dirty. They're dingy. Oh, yeah, we're obsessed with demons. Our lives are sad. We're alone forever. And I guess I've never felt more seen by the cast of Angel <laughs> until this moment. 
Oh no, it is kind of calling all of us out too, isn't it? We're like, yeah, yeah. You're like you fucking nerds. This is you. <laughs> Look at yourself. I think that, I think that they did such a good job in this episode. Like I didn't really, it didn't hit me until I rewatched it again today. But they do such a good job of making you feel the like familiness of them. Like I feel like the the one mm. of the central purposes of this episode is to let you know that they're no longer just like coworkers. Like they really are intimately involved with each other. They're committed to each other. They are each other's family. Um, and I feel like they do a really good job with it. Yeah, one thing I really love that's just understated in this episode is the fact that they all take turns doing chores in the Hyperion, like, for the upkeep. Yes. Also that Wesley is trimming the plant with, like, a tiny scythe. I don't know what that weapon is called, (laughs) but I love it. I want one for my plants when I trim them. (laughs) I like that Wesley's trimming the plants but has not had a hair trim in a while. He's got, like, quarantine hair, but it, like, is really suiting him. It has not gotten to the point where it's like, oh, no, danger, danger. (laughs) That season three hair, baby. He's been killing demons for three months without Angel. This is what happens. Do you think that Angel should have gone to Vegas, or do you think he made the right choice in going to Sri Lanka. Oh, yes. Uh, was Vegas a better idea? Yes, because uh, the Sri Lankan monks were demons. But don't you think Vegas um, is just like running like full clip with demons? Vegas seems like a place where demons would have a good fucking time. Yes, but okay, here's the difference. I feel like people go to Vegas to be demonic. Demons and humans all go to Vegas to be demonic. Okay. Generally, when you go on like a meditation retreat, you're like not looking for violence demons aside can we talk about angels look just in this scene because it is good you would think that this like (laughs) beautiful flowing for the listener i want the listener to know that you are wearing a a white t-shirt right now while you're like angel and his all white look looks so good this is not about me this is clasping your heart (laughs) he just i want his outfit is all i'm saying it's uh Long and flowing, uh, but, you know, not, you know, in a way that you're going to, like, trip over it. It's, like, it just looks, like, so light and airy and lovely. And you would think, or I would think, that someone as, like, tall and hulking as David Boreanaz might not be able to, like, pull that ensemble off uh, so well. But it just, like, looks so great on Mm -hmm. him. And that is my contribution Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely a good uh, wardrobe season for Boreanaz, I will say. I mean, already coming out the gate, we have drooled enough over his outfits. <laughs> yes. David Boreanaz, wearing a stunning ensemble, uh, defeats the demon monks, and then he comes outside. And in a tongue that is not English and is also not English with a really bad Irish accent... <laughs> Uh, David Boreanaz says, you know, ugh, demon monks, I should have gone to Vegas. So David Boreanaz is in Sri Lanka. Well, in Sri Lanka. Angel, but um, sure. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, Angel they is flew in... him on location to Sri Lanka. <laughs> <laughs> they spent that money. They spent those millions of, of dollars. Of uh, money, money well spent. <laughs> uh, Angel's in Sri Lanka. In Sri Lanka, they speak Sinhala, Tamil, English. There's a handful of the 3,400-ish people of Portuguese descent who speak Sri Lankan Portuguese Creole. Uh, there's a Muslim community in Sri Lanka that uses uh, Arabic and 
seldom used nowadays is are we a written register of Tamil that uses the Arabic script and has extensive lexical influences from Arabic? My question with all of that set up is what language is David Boreanaz speaking? And listeners, I know somebody knows what the language is mm. and also whether it sounds as bad as when David Boreanaz does an <laughs> English accent or an Irish accent or not. Please let us know, unless Latoya, you already know, which would not shock me in the least. No, 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 no. Uh, so on Hulu, it just says foreign language. Yeah, which is real right? good Jesus at that shit. Um, and in like on the fandom wiki for this episode in the transcript, it says Tibetan, which is definitely they, it's not a Tibet, Tibetan monastery. So no. no. <laughs> so I guess the answer is foreign language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Final okay. answer. Oh, somebody will definitely let us know. Beautiful, uh, linguistically inclined and informed listeners, if you have this hot, hot intel we so desperately crave, please write in angelontoppodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs> I do have one more discussion point before we move from the Sri Lankan foreign language scene. Yeah. Which is that, uh, so I noted before in talking to you, I don't even know if I made it onto an episode that season three, like introduced like the wire foo to the fight choreography for Angel. So there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. You see Mm -hmm. it here because we're living in now a a post crouching tiger, hidden dragon Mm -hmm. world. Cause it just like just earlier, the Oscars happened and it got the award. So we're there. We're looking good. I actually, I really like that style for Angel, and I, I kind of like when a, a like a supernatural spinoff has like different fighting styles than like yeah. the, the original show. So I really enjoy that. But I do wonder. It's something I've always kind of wonder: is where does Angel's, I guess, Asian influence as a fighter come from? Mm-hmm. Like, when did he start doing Tai Chi? He wasn't doing it as an Angelus, you know. And obviously, every vampire when they become a new vampire, like they get instant basic martial arts training but like <laughs> oh my god latoya i can't believe we you were brought, just talking we about literally this. just talked about this in our season premiere episode we said in episode we have to ask latoya what she thinks about how vampires get sired and immediately know a lot of wrestling moves <laughs> <laughs> i am fine with this it just at least gives them a little bit of a fair fight against the Slayer. They're still going to lose, but it gives them something. They need something. Otherwise, <laughs> there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot more bottom feeders in the vampire world if mm. they didn't get that. You know, give them something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess like to your point. Well, what does Angelus? Because Angelus had to retain some of what Angelus experienced has to be retained in Angel and his like what he's interested in and what he practices, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not like Angel Angel is doing Tai Chi in the B Word show that we cannot name here um, seasons and seasons ago. Like that was a long time ago. But where is the root? Obviously, we know that Angel and Darla, they they went all over the world and, you know, but I don't think they were really soaking up the culture as much. Like, they were just eating people and living in the lap of luxury. But I don't think Angelus was really just taking notes and absorbing culture that way and taking Tai Chi classes. So, (laughs) yeah, Tai Chi, definitely, I picture, like, maybe 20 years after hmm when do we see angel but he's had a eating rats in new york yeah i can imagine yeah angel doing tai chi as something kind of to, to calm him and center himself right 
it seems like something so ingrained in him as Angel. So, but I guess we're supposed to believe he just started doing it on Buffy, and it's been part of his thing ever since. Well, but also, right? Where so Angel got a soul a long fucking time ago, right? Like he he like what's to say? I know that he ate rats in like New York, or I don't know where did he eat rats? I just assume it was in New York. Because New York, it is New York. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. That's where you eat rats for sure, right? I mean, he, he ate rats all over the world, <laughs> but New York specifically. Yes. Yeah, but we saw him specifically rats. eating rats. <laughs> In New York with Whistler, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but it, it it there should be time in the timeline for him to have spent uh, some of his rat eating days in other countries across the globe, right? It's like, did he learn Tai Chi during the Boxer Rebellion? Is that something that is missing from Fool for Love slash Darla? Because he has is... his soul in that at yeah, that yeah. moment. Yeah, but he's still like a mess. And but maybe still... that's yeah. his turning point. <laughs> he's sneaking Tai Chi <laughs> lessons when Darla's away. <laughs> Just a little uh, rat, just a little rat lunch uh, with a side of a Tai Chi course is what Angel. Or doing. hey, a uh, little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover, <gasps> learning Tai Chi from the rat before <laughs> eating the rat. Oh Whoa. no! Oh, uh, R.I.P. What's the rat's name? Splinter. Splinter. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible crossover. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, wow. I heard that we were talking about Angel, but I, I'm very excited about where we just got to. <laughs> Angel season three, the secret of the ooze. <laughs> I do like it as a fight style for Angel, but, you know, I would I'd like to fill in that blank. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Whatever. I know that I'm all macro over here, but I've just been thinking a lot about the way that the episode positions love. Like, I mean, it's called Heartthrob, and there's like four, as I as I noted them, there's four pairings, right? There's... Angel and Buff, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Angel <laughs> and Darla. Mm-hmm. Um, there's what's his face, James and Elizabeth, and then there's the like t- college couple in the car, which oh, I feel losers. like, yeah, and I but I feel like they're like so there for a reason of like <laughs> what are we like what are we looking at as like love? What does Angel feel like he's lost with the like death of his? true love um and and like what's the difference between what he has with darla there's just like like that's that's the whole through line right of mm-hmm. like looking at yes. those couples as hadaway would ask what is love <laughs> Did I, I literally just bought that song to put it in a podcast so i think it was the mailbag that we literally just put you that did song yes in. you spent money Congrats. Oh, no, actually, I didn't. I illegally downloaded it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I already had it illegally downloaded, so you could just ask me. <laughs> yeah. So in these three months also, Fred has uh, found a room in the Hyperion, and she has not left that room. She's yeah. been holed up for three months. So, of course, I love Angel Investigations. I feel like they could be a bit more sensitive to Fred. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cordy, uh-huh. ma- Cordy makes a good point that Fred is trading one K for another. Mm-hmm. But then she says that basically what Fred is doing is the opposite of strong. Because I think Cordelia has like a very specific view of what quote unquote strong is. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the opposite of being a cry Buffy. Obviously we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's- <laughs> <laughs> a cry. What was that? What word was that? Cry B word. She's not a cry <laughs> B word. <laughs> so, and it's also kind of sucking up your trauma and moving on which is not good but yeah. that is something cordelia has learned to deal with yeah um yeah. and is dealing with in this episode from the pain of her visions so it, to her that's what strength is 
uh, which we get Cordy talk to someone, girl. We love you. I know. Well, they, they should all be. I mean, I feel like this season of both like, both shows is really begs the question. Why do we not have therapy here? Why is nobody talking to anybody about all of these traumas? Like, I understand that 2001 was a different landscape than 2020. I get it. I get that. I get the trope of, like, the Cordelia person who is, like, the way a woman is strong is, like, burying it all and blasting through the next thing. But, you know, you have you have a girl upstairs who hasn't come out of her room in months. Like, she probably needs some fucking help, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, therapy, much like cell phones, is the enemy of storytelling, (laughs) supposedly. (laughs) Cell phones really are the enemy of storytelling, whereas therapy is helpful and, you know, everyone should just just get therapy. I mean, at this point, The Sopranos had premiered in 1999, so I'm sure lots of of TV shows were like, we're going to do therapy now, too. Uh, But Angel didn't get on that tip, obviously. Uh, Riverdale, historically a show where all the children needed therapy, and I would constantly write that in my reviews, and then I stopped reviewing it, and then Gina Torres showed up as their therapist, as though the show was attacking me personally for quitting (laughs) writing about it, but uh, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) But yeah, Uh, Fred, what is the actress's name who plays Fred? Amy Acker. Amy Acker. Amy Acker. I couldn't think of it today. I, I, she's. I think she's fucking phenomenal. I mean, the, her her performance in this. I mean, in the in the episodes we saw in season two as well, but particularly how she shows up in this scene where we see her in the room, and then how she shows up with Angel once he returns. She just does a really brilliant job. The only thing, as someone who loves Fred, the only thing that I don't like about Amy Acker in this episode is her southern accent mm. well it's i mean if you're gonna compare accents in the show she does a stunning job <laughs> here's the thing here's what latoya taught me Kristen. amy acker amy acker is actually from the south i mean okay so she actually is from the south uh she is from uh yeah she is from texas and this is a texan accent so mm-hmm. So what's your, your, what is your issue with the accent? You don't think it sounds uh, accurate? You, Jenny Owen Young's, having spent so much time in Texas? (laughs) I have spent a bit of time in Texas. I guess uh, Texas is so enormous, it could house nearly infinite Mm -hmm. variations on accents. It just feels a little... It just feels a little, like, over the top. But, you know, that's just probably my naive... I feel like, and I, I mean, please, uh, any, any Texans write in and, and correct all of us. But, uh, you know, I feel please. like Amy Acker, the actress, is making the choice to combine probably what she knows of her own Southern accent with this, like, m- mousiness that she's bringing to Fred. And so that probably, right. like, tweaks with how the accent shows up. Because there is that, like, little edge of, like, not a Southern bell sound to it, but, like, that... I don't know that like politeness lilt to the to the southern accent that she does. So I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. I can't believe I just used the word lilt. Somebody shut me up. <laughs> no, keep going. Now I want to know what else you have to say. Lilt. The the other thing that they're just kind of uh, ignoring in Fred's behavior is that so she's here. She's saved by Angel. She's back on Earth. She's with Team Angel, and then. Angel immediately has to leave for three months to mourn the B word. Yeah. 
basically mm-hmm. her support system is immediately gone and none of them are stepping up to the plate to help her yeah. either because they yeah. didn't have the patience or they just are like this is angel's responsibility pretty much yeah it's it's surprising i mean i understand that like cordelia has some selfish uh, you know streaks in her and maybe she's focusing on the wrong elements of strength um, but like, I could see Wesley maybe not recognizing that there's an issue, but Gunn and Cordelia, both are characters that I feel like would have recognized that Fred needed a little help, um, and would have like gotten that for her in some way. Yeah. Also, like, what else do they have to do? Like, they spend all of their time together. We, with the exception of like Cordelia hanging out with Harmony and Wesley briefly dating Victoria, they don't Virginia. have like... Oh, sorry. Wesley <laughs> briefly dating Virginia. Uh, Gunn has other friends, but do Cordelia and Wesley? I mean, now that Gunn has other friends, but is he seeing them? Because he definitely wasn't at the end of season two, and that got mm-hmm. one of them killed. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I doubt Gunn wants to show his face uh, after that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So they've all got loads of time and a shortage of excuses Yeah, with regard to taking care of Fred for the three months that Angel is gone. Oh my God, it's like Fred and Faith should have a hang and talk about the neglect <gasps> faced by both, you know? <laughs> they would get along. I think they would get quite along, as a matter of fact. Oh, oh no. no. I hope they don't accidentally oh, kiss. No. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> do, do, do. Uh, this is where I, again, plug the series Person of Interest. And I'm going to say, in a lot of ways, Sarah Shahi's character is like Faith. So you have Sarah Shahi and Amy Acker, the OTP of that show. That's canon. Uh, so. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now that is a canonical pairing. <laughs> One could, yes, carry on. <laughs> I'll be, excuse me, this is the sound of me writing the fanfic. Oh, there's already plenty of fanfic. Naturally. <laughs> I do plan to make this podcast 100% more horny. So, <laughs> which is like, speaking of order. horny, we glossed over something very important when Angel was distributing his gifts to his friends upon his return. Angel gives Gunn a small human head. Mm-hmm. And as Angel is leaving the room, Gunn says, Thanks for the head, bro. <laughs> 1080p HD. I, I two did, I did men that. working together, the heat of battle. <laughs> you know, sometimes slaying makes you horny and hungry is what I have heard from reliable sources. Uh-huh. I mean, between that and Gunn saying, doing it with the demons. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What an episode for Charles Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> and so because none of uh, his friends are useful, Angel finally returns. <laughs> And makes Fred feel a little bit better. And no. I will, I I said it in uh, no place like Plurtsker, but I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, I understand ex- extremely why Fred is so smitten with Angel. He just, to her, like every scene they have, he is like perfect hero guy, basically. Mm-hmm. The, the care and understanding he has when he is with her in, in their scene is something she didn't have for three months, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, he's a hunk. You know, you got to give it to the guy. <laughs> he's wearing that Plus blue button up. Hunk, <laughs> but he's emotionally unavailable and does not have the self-awareness to not push her glasses up in a very, like, sort of 
slippery slope to romantic kind of way. Yeah, Angel just like he doesn't understand the line between um taking care of somebody and uh, and like taking care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. So he's <laughs> taking care of her <laughs> and just being sweet and understanding because I I feel like this is kind of like what Angel was like when he was on the streets of New York in a way, only he was not in, like, confined to a, s- a certain space. Like, he understands Fred the way he understood Faith, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm. that would have been great for her to have for the past three months, basically. Right, oh, right. Yeah. God, and then she gets like a half second of it. And I feel like the, the the hotel is under attack. And then she gets like another half second later and he's like, get back to your fucking room. <laughs> Fred does say something in, in, you know, her ramblings to Angel about how she's waiting for the click where yeah. it all makes sense. And that honestly, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That is an understandable feeling, which I feel... Again, this is why I'm like, why weren't you guys just there for her? Because I feel like that's something they could have gotten, even if they didn't get a lot of her other ramblings, you know? Absolutely. Like, she, I mean, I feel like as a character, or at least what we know of her so far, she is somebody who logically understands her feelings and her, like, emotional place. And that doesn't, of course, I mean, understanding where you are logically does not remedy where you are emotionally. But, like, she definitely has the tools to explain in clear enough terms that she's not okay and that all of the behavior that she's exhibiting is a means of either trying to escape feeling not okay or to fix not feeling okay. She, you know, she communicates it in an instant to Angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And although, you know, when the click finally happens, like that's not going to be a good moment either because no. uh, <laughs> then reality really sets in and yeah. then you have to, to reckon with all these things you should talk to your therapist about. Yes. Get a fucking uh. thing. You need a demon sensitive therapist. I understand they're harder to find, but like figure it out, guys. <laughs> I mean, Lauren definitely has to know one or just talk to Lauren. I was just going to say, actually, Lauren is the therapist. Lauren would be a fantastic therapist. Poor Lauren. I feel like this is always Lauren's, like, task. People come to him and they're like, please fix me, Lauren. (laughs) And then he does. And he does. Let's talk about Courtney's painful vision. It's getting worse, you guys. These visions are killing her, she literally says. But, like, they also have gotten this, like, map quest upgrade. They're like... Okay, she used to just get flashes of monsters in an alley, and now it's like Wilson Hall or Wilson College, Bonner Hall, room 918. Everything is just like within the frame of her mm-hmm. vision. Yeah. But I do you think there's any correlation between the specificity that is seeming to like increase and the pain that is seeming yeah, to increase? It's like mm. she's getting more powerful, the, the visions are getting more vivid, but with that is the price. These visions are now killing her. And you know what? You yeah. should uh, write that all in your Shanshu prophecies, everyone. Oh, God. Noted. Noted. Yeah. Let me just update my... She's that's really the, good. That's the terminology I'm using, by the way. Uh, write that in your Shanshu prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> I think Charisma Carpenter, too. Like, this reminded me of... I can't remember what the episode was. It was an episode of Angel. And the episode... Uh, in the episode, she had to take on sort of all of the visions at once. So she was, like, feeling all the pain in the world. Yes, uh, that is the season one finale to Shanshu in L.A. Oh, must have been mm-hmm. must have been you saying Shanshu that just like rung a bell for me in my brain. But I think she does a, such a great job as an actor taking us from Cordelia because Cordelia has like 
a very specific presence. And so there's something about the journey from her specific place to when she is sobbing on the floor or like, you know, it, even in even in the, the B word show um, when, you know, she's impaled and she's in the hospital, like the fall for her from her center strength to devastation is one that like personally kills me, destroys me. Let this be a warning to college students making party flyers. Don't Never do it. print everyone invited. Never print everyone invited mm. because that includes vampires, apparently. I love that little tiny thing. <laughs> yeah, we should also talk about uh, Fred uh, and her because the room in the Hyperion is her is her home. That's why Angel has to be invited in despite, you know, this being his hotel. Right, I mean, he right. owns it, but with like, forged files so yeah she's written on those walls quite enough for it to become her established and protected home (laughs) how many fucking rooms are in this hotel and what are they doing with the rest of them there's a lot and they're not doing a lot (laughs) they're probably full of little speaking of rats they're probably it's probably some mice up in there at the very least yeah uh, things aren't going great for cordelia but uh luckily she has the best roommate ever which made me think oh are roommates actually good (laughs) Ghost Dennis, I think I've said it inside of Angel on Top before. I've probably even said it inside of Buffering before. But, like, Ghost Dennis is my favorite character in, like, the universe. I <laughs> I love him so deeply. This this scene with them is a little interesting. It really takes their, like, bond to a new level of, like, he's loofahing her back for her. Listen, I don't. I hope I'm not like showing my ass about like how naive I am about loofahs, but <laughs> is the way that you would want to use that just taking it off the shelf dry and applying it to dry skin? Is that is that what you do? I, I'm just I'm done now. I quit. I quit the podcast. I also don't think Dennis put enough pressure on that to really do anything. It's true. How much it's... pressure can a ghost apply? And how consistently? Well, I mean, if we're to follow the Patrick Swayze ghost, um, you know, mythos, then it you train over time and you develop more skills. Right. <laughs> ghost right, Dennis right, has right, been right, around right. for a while. He does a pretty good job with the loofah, but I think I, I don't myself use a loofah, but I would imagine you'd want to get it wet first. Right. Uh, I- <laughs> asking all of the hard hitting questions, but yeah. to, to can, I like I really think that the question is also uh, relevant to be asked of like what is their relationship? Are they like best best friends? And is that like is that what the show is is showing us by like Ghost Dennis is here? Cordelia is totally comfortable taking her clothes off, getting in the bath. He's scrubbing her bath her back. There's nothing sexual about the way that it's done, and so I just don't know if it's there to tell us how tenderly he cares for his friend. That there is no question of anything like even sexual happening here. It's just that's definitely I think the tone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want my own ghost, Dennis. Be careful what you wish for. I know. I did. Yeah, you trust out. me. I thought about it in the middle of the sentence. I thought about it. And I said, you will continue. You will request. <laughs> Let it rip. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen so many fucking vampires riding around in convertibles as you see in this goddamn episode? All these vampires have a death wish. And they're like, we can do whatever we want. It's LA, baby. 
Like, <laughs> let me get a convertible that doesn't protect me from the sun. Let me smoke a bunch of cigarettes. Like, vampires are so destructive. They really are. Self-destructive. But yeah, they're just in the convertible and, you know, they've taken some hostages, a couple from this party. And uh, the girl one, who is the worst one, according to Cordelia's vision, uh, the, the blonde Elizabeth, she's like, oh, you two a couple? Uh, would you die for her? Or, you know, if I uh, let you go and I kill her, is that cool? And he's like, yep, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then, oh, no, they both survive. That is not going to be pretty thing oh yes they both survived because god i wish we could have seen the scene of her reacting you were gonna let me die so you live literally i literally was like oh man you're screwed you wish you had been bitten by a vampire now man because you're in fucking trouble Lord. it's just better- like when jenny no. left me in the woods with a bear Whoa, 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 whoa. That is, okay, we're not going to rehash we're this again. We're not telling God the whole bear story here. Anyway, <laughs> Angel, the show. Yes, the show. Correct. But so so I want to say something about, um, I mean, I know we're going to like revisit all these couples and what have you, but I feel like the Elizabeth James love is very much the Spike Drusilla love, right? Like this is, like these are two people who are, the only way they can define love for each other is that they would like die for each other. Romeo and Juliet obviously is used in the episode itself, but it reminded me of a Spike and Drew kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But Elizabeth is a Drusilla that Angel can easily kill so he can mm. tell a little story about the past. Mm. Uh, oh, and how delighted are we when we find out we get some fucking David Boreanaz Irish accent? Yeah, baby. <laughs> wow. Also, can we just laugh for a minute at what happens right before we get the convertible scene, which is Angel being like, they're headed that way on sixth, and Gun being like, what are you going to do? And then Angel being like, foosh, with his fucking leather coat out the he's, window. He's like, I'm going to do vampire things. So unnecessary. <laughs> So unnecessary, and I love it. <laughs> and so unlike Angel to be dramatic like that. <laughs> I mean, I feel it's very necessary. It's uh, <laughs> just like, because the show, op- the episode opens with exposition, which I think it's good exposition, but still exposition. Yeah. And like, see, this premiere is like, I guess, redefining the show, letting you know what it is. It's by itself. It's paired with Seventh Heaven. So Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself 
in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So James and Elizabeth, they were, you know, hanging out with uh, Darla and Angel before Drusilla and Spike were in the picture, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, you would think that these two, after having uh, a pair of like a flop couple before they wouldn't try to have another flop couple with them. <laughs> they like a quartet, you know, they like to, they like to add a little uh, spice into the mix. They like to have someone to like dunk on basically. <laughs> oh God. That really is what they're into, huh? That's like one of their kinks yeah. having another pair of vampires around that they can just diss. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they're in Marseille, 1767. James and Elizabeth are going on about how much they love each other. And Angelus and Darla are like, this fucking sucks. Why did we sire them? Angelus gives them like a hundred years, kind of like the master did for Angelus and Darla. Mm. And uh, kind, oh, of, true. kind of like the master, uh, Angelus was wrong. <laughs> yeah, they no. fucking lived and stayed together. They did better than Spike and Drew. Did people have mullets in 1767? <laughs> I don't remember seeing any mullets they in did period pieces from this picture. era. Killed me. They did in I France. About, his, about James's hair in this flashback, it's just like straight mullet. Yeah, the locket is, photo is good too. This is the hair they had in France in 1767. <laughs> it was mulletsville. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Liz gets her locket, and like I think it's fun because I think it's fun that Angel and Darla know what kind of love, if you want to call it that, they have. Like they know what they are to each other, and they are fully confident in it they're fully confident in being like yeah go kill her i don't care like angel fully knows that she's gonna be fine and he's just like ah fuck it i'll find her in another 10 years what's 10 years to a vampire who's gonna live for centuries yeah in the meantime also angelus and darla are trying to make it on time for a ship because they are also and again they they created this accompaniment who's only slowing them down they're running away from holtz uh who a character who was mentioned in season two's the trial uh and in a flashback they show uh, darla leaving angelus behind in morocco basically to mm. like leaving him for dead with holtz which you know that's their love mm-hmm. 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 their love mm-hmm. is like i have my life you have mine we like to fuck that's their yeah. love you She's know, like, I'll see you when I see you. Yeah, I'll see, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> I understand that, like, there's intentionality around, um, 
letting us remember and always remember how evil Angelus is. But I really could have done without the wife repeating on me situation. Really horrific. Pretty fucking bad. And like, we get it. We get it. You killed his fucking wife and his family. I don't know that we needed that line to understand. Uh, That's my take. But yeah. How about the foreshadowing of James telling Angelus he knows nothing of poetry? (laughs) (laughs) Which I know nothing of poetry. I'm going to turn a poet next time. Yeah, that'll show him. I think his Tai Chi studies and his uh, deep dive into poetry probably all occurred at the same time in his like big self improvement uh, kick. He's like, you know, yeah, he's like going through all the digs that have ever been hurled at him and just like undoing he's them like, one by hmm, one. I'll do this. I'll do this. <laughs> what if but James H- was like, "You can't even sketch," and that's why he <laughs> just started sketching. <laughs> know what charcoal is <laughs> um. <laughs> also i will just say i know we, we clown on uh Boreanaz's accent but i will say this is the best his flashback wig has ever looked <laughs> so james fearing nothing decides to punch a window steal a locket and then when the french police show up he uh says come on you bloody frogs i would like to apologize on behalf of the show to french people and also michigan J. Uh, <laughs> we are sorry the other thing about them being a uh, proto spike drusilla thing as I, I noted in the intro uh is just the fact that obviously we can't have spike because he's over on the B word. But it does make me imagine a world in which uh, Spike didn't become as necessary to the the B word verse as he did, where he could be the fodder to have in this flashback and then just kill him at the end of the episode. Because Whoa. Yeah. I just imagine the way the the entire uh, world of both uh, Be the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series would be uh, if if Spike weren't such an important character. I don't like James as a character. I don't know how everybody feels about James as a character. Yeah, he's pretty rough. Um, We never really get to know that much about Elizabeth, but I do at least enjoy her a touch. I like her locket. I like her attitude enough. James is just fucking boring and he fucking kills the dude who informs him and tells him what's up. He's fucking rude. He gets this stupid ass heart removal. I just I'm over him. I'm over him so hard. Can we talk about the fact that James gets his heart removed? Can we talk about it? See, that again, that is something Spike would totally do. And it's uh, I mean, obviously, I love Spike being alive, but it'd be so badass if Spike did that. That is something Spike would do. And also Drew yeah. would be over the fucking moon about it. To have Spike's heart in a jar? That's like literally the stuff Drew is made of. <laughs> also, the fucking exposition vamp who's like, hey, while like <laughs> James is staring simply on at the fucking crashed convertible in the from the parking garage and exposition vamp is like, this is what happened. This is what happened. And then James pushes him oh my God. into some sun and he immediately Come is on. completely inflamed now so hard. how many times have we seen spike have his like hand be in, in the sun know. for like 30 seconds and then catch on fire or 
Spike running through the fucking broad daylight with like a blanket trailing over his head. Like the inconsistency of how fast this vampire mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. is entombed in flames is is I is, thought of is you. I thought of you, Jenny. Upsetting. Thank you. I thought Jenny's gonna be. Thank you. About I this. just want a little consistency. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm sorry. So Angel has told the gang his story. Uh, of being chased by Holtz and who James and Elizabeth are. And you know what? They're invested. They want to know more of the story. But uh, Angel's a little scamp. He's like, oh, I'll give you a little bit of it. (laughs) To be continued, Angel says. (laughs) He literally says that. It's crazy. Uh, Angel has really gotten Hollywood since the B word left the network. (laughs) You know where we're going? We're going to Caritas, baby. It's seniors night at Caritas? It is seniors night at Caritas. (laughs) And like Lauren is singing so aptly, left my heart in San Francisco. Love to see Lauren. You know, Jenny and I don't get to talk about Lauren very often, but uh, I mean, what's not to fucking adore about Lauren? And Caritas, which I believe you taught us how to say that uh, correctly in the season finale of Angel on Top season two. Uh, thank you <laughs> so much, Latoya, for that. That's what I'm here for, um, pronunciation. <laughs> Um, so yeah, right. Lauren is singing at Caritas, and the reason that we're all there is because uh Wesley and Gunn are there to meet Merle, who is played by an actor whose name I can pronounce, Matthew James. And I am so sorry to tell everybody this, but I was like, fucking Merle. I love Merle. I remember just really enjoying Merle. Let me find out who this guy is, what he's up to right now, what he's doing. I googled Matthew James and I discovered that his most recent project is a film that I believe he like wrote, directed, and produced and starred in. And the title of the film is Nipples and Palm Trees. <laughs> the subtitle of the film is Every Guy Deserves a Happy Ending. I am so sorry to report this news to you, but that is what our uh, pal Matthew James has been up to. I texted Latoya and Jenny faster than I've texted anyone in my life. I was like, I found out something bad about Merle. This makes me want to rip my heart out, honestly. <laughs> uh, Imagine. I'm almost too upset to even say 1080 PhD. <laughs> almost. I'm going to try to separate Merle from Matthew James because I gen- I genuinely do enjoy Merle um, in this in this episode. And he what does he do? Why is he here? He tells him about the heart, the slod demon who has cut out James's heart. Then the next thing I have to say is about how I maybe my biggest turn on in the whole episode is how Cordelia and Angel fight with each other. Um, oh, my God. Where's my hurling axe? This is all different. <laughs> yes. Uh, Daddy really is home. Uh, This old man had a system and they changed Mm -hmm. it in the three months he was gone. Because here's the thing. They know Angel. They know he'll be annoyed by things being different in in his home, which is also their business. But at the same time, Angel's not the boss, so they can do whatever they want. (laughs) Cordelia in her blazer. She's in her blazer at this point, right? Uh, Yeah. That blazer. That will do. That blazer and that bob. Didn't know I needed it. Blazer, bob, breasts. and the bit. Perhaps the biggest turn on, turn on of all. Oh my god! Not Brett. Well, okay, those are fine to you, but I love when a woman in genre film or TV 
finally puts her foot down and says, no, I'm not going to go home to be by myself and be vulnerable in that way because they always come for me when I'm by myself and then I'm the hostage and I hate it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Cordelia is just, you know, so much of what we've seen of like a woman interacting with Angel, Angel specifically, has been... The B word. And so, and like the B word put her foot down a little bit, but not really. Like, not really. I, I mean, mean, she did send him to yeah. hell. She, but other than that. I mean, Buffy even had more of a leg to stand on, though, when sorry, she put her foot. Mm, oh, god damn it. Sorry. The B word. My own damn rules. <laughs> <laughs> the B word had even more of a leg to stand on when she, you know, put her foot down because she was stronger than Angel and could uh, kick more ass. Courtney doesn't have mm-hmm. that, but she does know that uh, being separated is the worst thing to do. Am I allowed to say Cordelia's line at the end of this episode that is like the embodiment of why I love them like bickering? Please do. Go ahead. She says, I'm Cordelia. I don't think I know. It's true. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. And that is why we miss her over in the B word because we love, we we got Spike now, but we love, we love uh, Cordy who doesn't think she knows. In the B-verse draft, we won big when we got Cordy. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Watch these shows like I watch my sports because I am a jock, as we all know. Oh, the pod jock. (laughs) Thank God. Fred choosing this moment <laughs> to bravely step out of her room. Fred, no. I'm ready to come That's out. not the sound of company. Sweet That Fred. is not the sound of company. She doesn't remember. She doesn't know. Oh, true. Yeah, she might be all fucked up on context. Yeah. Um, incredible fire extinguisher Chuck mm-hmm. from Cordelia. Mm-hmm. That is some impressive... I don't know, shot putting? <laughs> what do you, what are th- heavy things you throw for sport? Up. Disc- I'm asking the pod jock. Is- yeah, that's also a thing. Help us. You're, you're both right. Like, you're, you're both correct. Wow. Maybe there's three pod jocks, <laughs> Jenny. Hell yeah. High five, chest bump. Oh no. But dumping Gatorade over your head. <laughs> I love sport. So, right, Fred comes out and is all scared, et cetera, goes Mm -hmm. back to her room. And then they, like, sort of divert into the sewers, giving me what might be one of my favorite exchanges in this episode, if not my favorite, where Cordelia, who's so fucking brilliant, she's got it all up here, is like, he must have, does he have a ring? Did you see a ring on his finger? I remember this. It was called (laughs) the Gem of Mara. And then Angel, like, rolling his fucking eyes is like, no, I obviously looked to see if there was a ring and it wasn't a ring. And then Cordelia (laughs) is like, did the Amara people make cufflinks or belt buckles? And I want to reach through the television screen and kiss her because I love her so much. I mean, That's good stuff. Angel is frustrated, but these are valid questions. <laughs> yeah. And yes, I yeah. do love, and I think especially because they're they're both having an argument and they are fleeing for their lives. I think this episode <laughs> has a great balance of the, the comedy and drama of Angel. I think, yeah. I think this is like an episode that shows that Angel, the show, has kind of figured it all out. And I, I was even noting to you mm-hmm. guys before that, like, the promos uh, for the WB for this season of Angel also kind of changed, where they had, like, the the super serious drama thing, and then it would pivot to, like, the comedy beat, where before it was mm-hmm. just, like, all drama, and this is serious show, serious man things, Angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, hungry I- man. <laughs> 
But yeah, I agree. I, I think I've said, I don't know where I've said this, but you know that one of my hot takes is having, when I had watched the first few episodes of Angel and I had watched the first few episodes of The B Word, season on season, six to three, I was like, oh, Angel's got their shit more figured out right now than I think B does. Uh, over where she's hanging out and like listen the seasons will unfold but i will say that one to one angels in the lead <laughs> and we will be uh hearing more of that uh, throughout this season of angel on top <laughs> in Kristen's corner Kristen's corner Kristen is just so enamored by this season of television. We couldn't just let her be on one episode. Oh, no. So (laughs) Kristen's Corner uh, throughout Angel on Top season three will have Kristen's opinions on the episodes. What is she thinking about Cordelia's Bob? What is she thinking about (laughs) Angel's button ups? Hey, what's she thinking about Fred's accent? We'll find out all of that and more. (laughs) <laughs> thank you so well, it's much it's so great that uh Kristen's opinions are valued to the point where they need to be in every episode that's uh so i mean great sometimes we Kristen. can have jenny's jar Congrats. that can be in a few episodes <laughs> jenny's jar it's, it's, a, it's a little that thing sounds... it's a little thing it's jenny's jar because it's where you give your two cents <gasps> wow Hot. wow okay Toya. i love it wow <laughs> so now we are on public transportation in Los Angeles, which is popping, you guys, for the first I time mean, ever. Listen, I've I have taken public <laughs> transportation in Los Angeles. I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure that both of you have, but it is usually not that crowded on I, public transportation. Especially in Los Angeles. not the metro. Like this, this, this is like no, the, no, no. that. I should in, say yes, the metro. Yeah, there is a New York subway system, which I love to exactly. see. Exactly, but uh, <laughs> that's not reality. No, it's it's not it's not my experience has not been my experience of the subway um in Los Angeles. However, thank God that they take the subway because if they hadn't taken the subway, we would have never gotten to see James turning into like some kind of insect jumper. Like the he way turns, he turns, well, he well, it's he does so that creepy. It's so before X-Files. he turns into yeah. Senator Kelly from the first X Men movie, like right before he tor- before he turns into water. <laughs> And like doubling down on his shittier version of Spike bit, he engages in a subway fight. We've seen a subway fight before. Wow. Uh, Good call, Jenny. I do think him ripping the seat out of the subway car and using it to hit Angel is a lot cooler than Angel's move of borrowing somebody's crutches (laughs) and then kind of using them like little bat wings. That is cool because Cordelia has to catch the guy and that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that does rock. I mean, like, I guess, like, the the purpose of this exchange is to wound Angel, right? To, yeah, like, we sh- make... We should talk more about all of the things James is saying, basically. Yeah. Because James is going in on uh, Angelus, as he knows him, uh, right. to not know anything about love. Why'd you do it? You just know you... Like, why'd you kill Elizabeth? You just did it for fun because you're a sick bastard. Which, it's... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess it is a matter of, you know, the 90s slash early 2000s that so many people don't know that Angel has a soul. Like, some know, and then, you know, they spread it, but a lot of people are just like, he's still Angelus, right? And then they get a rude awakening. 
It's not like he's like on Twitter, like tweeting from and recently insold Vamp sixty nine. Uh, uh, brooding today, brooding once more, brooding again. Which, when I was just searching for things about like Angel's fighting influence to see if there's anything I could find, I did find like a Q and A with David Boreanaz from like a fan site to which he said he's not uh, set up on email yet. So like back in the day, he was not set up on email yet. But yeah, like. He like J- uh, James's line of like I lived, you existed. I felt like he was saying that as a dig toward him and Darla, but like yeah. that's what kind of un ungrounds Angel to think about like the fact that he did have one true love at least to date, and that he didn't get to be with that person, and also didn't get to be with her when she died. Yeah. Um... <sighs> James has like this vision like this vision of love that, you know, you can't live without this person, literally. Right. And uh basically if Angel had truly loved B, uh, he would have like killed himself basically after she died. Which is very toxic. They bring up Romeo and Juliet, which is of mm-hmm. course not a romance, it is a tragedy. We should all yeah. r- remember that. Uh-huh. You should not die if your lover dies. That is not a healthy relationship um and 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 angel i don't angel hasn't figured it out because he needs the brains of the operation cordelia yes cordelia who is not the woman he mm. loves as they make clear i really like the the comedy moment we get where angel's like i'm different now and james is like oh so you're not the same man who screwed darla and couldn't care less what happened to her and angel's like oh shit no i haven't like, changed what'd you hear oops oh before. Like, what did they tell you <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you mean 200 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, 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 go. Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, the fight doesn't have really a, a conclusion. It's just uh, James turns into Senator <laughs> Kelly from X-Men the movie. So we, so we Dude, think- Dude, so of, unsatisfying. Was it so six weird. hours? Was that the math? Was it, it, it must have been six hours. It must hours, have been six right? hours and not yeah. six days, weeks, years. I think that is also a, a, a good way to start off Angel where it's like, you have this villain of the week and they don't even really defeat it. It just kind of ends and uh, Angel has to mm. <laughs> sit with himself. And you know what? I think Angel should be sitting with the WWWB. <gasps> what <laughs> possibly could you mean, Latoya? So here's the thing. None of these characters are going to therapy. And you know what? <laughs> we think that's bad. So since he <laughs> won't do any real therapy, maybe he should do some television therapy um, so a new segment on Angel on Top, because I am deranged, is I will be recommending <laughs> to the character of Angel, or maybe even other characters, possibly, uh, what episode of television they should watch on their uh, their network, the WB, to, you know, help them <laughs> move forward uh, with the, the issues they're, they're facing. Hit the music. I'm actually going to recommend an episode of the WB that uh, premiered the same year, a few months earlier, uh, February 16th, 2001. It is the Gross Point episode, Passion Fitch, which is episode 16 of its one and only season, the penultimate episode of Gross Mm. Point. 
which uh, for people who don't know, Gross Point was a half-hour sitcom on the WB that was created by Darren Starr, uh, creator, of course, of Beverly Hills 90210, Mero's Place, eventually Sex and the City, Younger. And this uh, comedy was a satire uh, parroting his experience uh, working on Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, On this series, actress Lindsay Sloan played a character who was basically a Tory spelling uh, proxy that, uh, based on uh, initial viewings, uh, Aaron Spelling called Darren Starr uh, to not do that. (laughs) So they made her less Tory spelling, although she was clearly supposed to be Tory spelling. But in Passion Fish, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, cameos as herself, as a number of WB stars did at the time on Gross Point, because uh, Gross Point was basically... Uh, a struggling WB series about a struggling WB series called Gross Point. <laughs> so you get Sarah Michelle Gellar. She is in the same yoga class as Lindsay Sloan's Marcy. And uh, Marcy and, and Sarah Michelle Gellar become close friends uh, to the point where Marcy believes that Sarah Michelle Gellar is in lesbians with her. Um, so the episode is navigating that. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's, uh, there, there is a kiss. Because, uh, what? there's a kiss. Um, so Sarah Michelle Gellar loves to kiss women. Loves well, kissing women. Acting. Lindsay Sloan, uh, <laughs> Lindsay Sloan is also hear my air quotes. Sarah Michelle Gellar's real life best friend, like since they were kids. So, you know, sometimes you gotta uh, kiss your best friend. Best friend air quotes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the, ep- sorry, Freddie. The episode has Marcy inviting Sarah Michelle Gellar to be on Gross Point. Which Sarah agrees to, as long as she gets to kiss her on the show. Whoa. So that's a lot of layers. Yeah. So the episode is a lot of navigating that relationship and then coming to terms with a certain thing at the end. I think mm. that if Angel could watch that episode, he would finally come to terms with the loss of the B word. Because besides the B word, this is the last thing that Sarah Michelle Geller ever filmed for the WB which is wow. crazy. <laughs> Gross wow. Point and Be the Vampire Slayer were the things she, she filmed before she was like, I'm out of here wow. to be on UPN. <gasps> I'm oh sorry. I God. have to go watch that episode of Gross you should, Point right you, now. you should watch all of Gross Point, but yeah, start with that. <laughs> Wow. What an honor to be a part of the very first WWWB segment here with you, LaToya. Cannot wait yeah. to find out. We're going to have a whole new series to watch at the end of the season, which will just be yes. all of the episodes that Angel has watched through the season. <laughs> oh, what a night. Do, 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 do. <laughs> do, do, do. So, once all uh, that chaos on public transportation is over... <laughs> Cordelia and Angel, you know, they have a little bonding moment uh, at the end. In, which, by the way, I love the Hyperion set and everything about it. it oh, is yeah. it like the best uh, Angel the character set? Like, better than the mansion? Better than his little apartment? I think it is. I think it's the best. I think it's most suited. Angel is it's just where he belongs. I agree. I agree. Better than uh, the rat-filled streets of New York. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point in his journey, that is also where he needed to be. So better than that warehouse that Angel drew Spike and uh, the Anointed One all briefly <laughs> cohabitated. That was pretty good, actually. I, I actually did really enjoy that space. That's number two. <laughs> Angel thrives in large, open concept spaces. You know where he can really stretch out. 
have a lot of different burning flames in various corners. I mean, corners. yeah, with the mansion, like there, there are literally no doors or windows. That was asking for death. <laughs> At least with the hotel, you know. There, yeah, there's there, places you can hide. Yeah. There are, again, <laughs> doors and windows. Those things are important. Uh, uh, and that's what Cordelia tells Angel. Yeah, well, and right, Cordelia, she doesn't think she knows, and she's like, uh, dude, you you know what you're doing? You're, like, living, and you're fucking fighting, and that's honoring her. That's honoring the person that you loved, because if she were here, she would want you to be doing those things. This is one of many great Cordelia Angel scenes uh, in this episode, and I think that it's making clear, especially this season, that the show is definitely a two-hander, because the way... They promoted the show, like, obviously, it's Dave Boronis, he's Angel. But, like, a lot of those, you know, WB backlot were standing right in front of the WB and the frogs there. Like, they would always, it would always be David and Charisma. Like, they would both be the ones who would be in those backlot things and promos. Mm-hmm. Like, sh- mm-hmm. like, it was always promoted as their one and two on the call sheet. because. And I think right. season three really hones in on that. and for mm-hmm. Which is good because they yeah. have a great relationship. And the show's always at its best when it, it, it gets on that and what their relationship is at, like where it's at, yeah. how she's feeling with it, how he's feeling with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that like, you know, Cordelia, I mean, we've known Cordelia from the beginning of Angel as someone who has known him since before. Um, and so what more of a moment for them to really come together than when the the like cornerstone of how they met the, the person that um, is like their shared knowing has died you know obviously a much bigger loss for angel than for cordelia but that i don't know i think if you if you have if you suffer a loss it's always the people even if you haven't seen them in years it's always the people who knew you when you knew them um when you were in their life that you go to for like comfort and who can Mm -hmm. understand most because they were a witness to it and cordelia although not Mm -hmm. you know her best not not be's best friend cordelia was a witness to a very intense period of time Mm -hmm. with the two of them yeah like wesley knows a little bit of it but he doesn't fully know he was still on the outside when he was there he was still busy trying to kiss cordelia let us never speak of it again (laughs) in his defense who doesn't want to kiss cordelia (laughs) that's true that's true which is the perfect transition into fuck watch (laughs) for any new listeners uh fuck watch is uh well with the segment where we pick who or what we want to fuck it really is that simple Thank you so much. Wow, it almost sounded like somebody else was like uh, in there saying uh, fuck watch. I don't know if my ears deceived me, but uh... maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So this is difficult for me because uh, if I remember fuck watch rules correctly, you can't uh, say someone more than once. So that's why I can't say Cordelia with that blazer with that bob. What if you go? I have to think. Well, Jenny, what do you got? I'm ready. Broad of shoulder and uh, tall of inseam and cool and light and appropriate for a variety of seasons. (laughs) I choose Angel's retreat outfit. Me and that retreat (laughs) outfit. We're going to get to know each other. Because you're not on every episode, so you can just like go with Angel immediately. (laughs) 
but she cheated. She didn't go with Angel. She went with the outfit. Latoya. She doesn't <laughs> I just want, want the, the outfit inside. I'm, she just wants the outfit. I'm not even saving Angel for a rainy day. My truest love <laughs> of the episode is simply his retreat outfit. You know what? Ugh. Fuck it. I am choosing Cordelia with that blazer and that bob. Yeah, Latoya! I, I, go I literally, it. like... <laughs> Search the, the recesses of my mind. I was like going through season three and I'm like, I know that's a good choice. I know that's a good choice, but you know what? In my heart of hearts, this is the choice. Yeah. And you'll say, you know what? There Live your life. Live your life. And I, I, um, I know you're all like screaming at me. What about him waiting in the wings? What, what? about his birthday? <laughs> I know. Don't you think I know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jenny and I do have an advantage in that we're not going to be on all of the episodes, but we have a disadvantage in that we don't know which episodes we're going to be on. So we could be eliminating something very important. But Latoya, inspired by your energy, um, I'm going to go pregnant Darla at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. That was a close Barla. second yeah. to Angel's outfit. <laughs> fucking Darla. But like after she fucking picks up that motherfucking lime and is like, good night. <laughs> yes. I will pick yeah. Darla. Thank you very much. And now we can talk Darla, which again, yeah. an epilogue to the episode. Because yeah. the episode is clearly over. They give you like a full hero shot. Yeah. Like they're all like weapons uh-huh. up, walking away. And you're like, wow, what a great premiere. Skirt! And then we're in Nicaragua, baby, where they speak Spanish <laughs> and not foreign language. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> captions. And this is how the show does a little cheat. Because obviously, Julie Benz is already credited as special guest star. Because she's in the flashback. So why would you expect uh, her? Very yeah. smooth. Wow. They don't have to do the, the, the crediting at the end because she's already been in the episode. She's been there. Holy shit. That is brilliant. I didn't realize that because I yeah. fucking hate that shit. I hate how you're spoiled with the special guest star shit. It drives me nuts. Angel and Buffy are pretty good about I think, I don't want to say they invented it, but like it kind of seems like the, the surprise and we're going to credit them at the end is very much a an Angel and B word. I already said Buffy again, but whatever. <laughs> B word thing. Like in the season two premiere, the final scene is Faith and Angel. And then during the end credits, it's special guest star Eliza Dusku. They give you an actual mm. surprise instead of telling you, well, she's here and yeah. you're going to have to keep waiting. Shows even now don't really do that. Like you'll be like lucky with streaming. We'll have like end credits anyway. But, you know, some shows don't do that and they still have, you know, no, normal. And yeah. they blow everything. It's like, who wants to fucking. Ugh. Sorry, I like heard most of what you said, but for part of the time, I was just imagining Darla at the bar. <laughs> mm. uh, what a reveal! What a fucking reveal! Hey, Darla's fucking pregnant, Yo, man. She is she's like so really fucking pregnant. pregnant. She's like ready to go. She's like, given everything that happens in this episode. Would you imagine that this is how it ends, basically? Literally never. I almost forget Never every in a million time, years. To be honest with you. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, yeah, she's at the bar. She's pregnant. It's, it's just wonderful the way they do it, that this fucking, and this fucking guy comes in and is, like, being all fucking, I'm a dude and you should have a drink and then you should, like, fucking make out with me or whatever. And she's so over it. This fucking dude sucks because, you know, of course he does. But I do like that once you realize she's pregnant, it's like, oh, his reaction to her is like, what the fuck? You're pregnant and you're just like fucking pounding him back. That's what his like reaction actually is to her. But you don't know it initially. Oh, I don't even think I realized that in watching it 50 times. <laughs> now that makes sense. <laughs> wow. And that's more what you can hear in Kristen's corner. <laughs> Literally, a summary. 
of Kristen's Corner is, I didn't even realize that, and I've watched it 50 times. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, but fucking, I mean, just an incredible, incredible reveal. What is going to happen next? Holy shit. Yeah, uh, we got a pregnant vampire, and uh, last we checked, that's not supposed to happen. Sure isn't. Uh-huh. Sure the fuck isn't. Is that baby a vampire, too? Do two vampires make a vampire? Do two vampires make a human? Do two vampires make a worm demon? Who will know? More snake demons in the beavers, please. (laughs) So that was Heartthrob, yes? We did it. What an episode. What a fucking season of Angel. I I am, like, very excited for all of the incredible people that you're going to talk to this season, but I am thankful that I get a corner because I have, I'm just so excited about it. LaToya! We're so happy that you're here in the universe with us uh, to teach us all the things that we need to know about Angel and the B word, truly. I think you'll be teaching us about both universes uh, (laughs) with all of the knowledge that you carry. So much knowledge just spills out of my head and I'm like, what did I forget? So that has been Angel on Top. Our next episode will be season three, episode two, That Vision Thing. You can find me on Twitter at Lafergs, L-A-F-E-R-G-S. I do not have Instagram. I am an old. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you also want to hear me talking about vampires with uh, moral and ethical dilemmas, you can listen to my podcast, The Empire Diaries. It is 125% hornier than this podcast, I will say. You only just got started. I'm just say, because I'm trying to be professional and like smart here, as opposed to there, <laughs> I just like am dumb and I'm just like, well, you know, he's hot, she's hot. So <laughs> that's me on that. You, you just set yourself up to get a lot of emails being like, but Latoya, we want we want horny Latoya. Please. Oh God. <laughs> if you want to support this podcast and Latoya. You can support on Patreon where you get real fun things like sometimes Jenny and I will do an angel watch with you. We just finished one with Heartthrob. So uh, angelontop.com will take you there to that space. Please support me. I was going to do an Oliver Twist accent and I decided against it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll do it. It couldn't be any worse than David Boreanaz. Nope. Please support me. (laughs) Yes. one of the hosts of Bitches on Comics, the most welcoming place for LGBTQ plus folks and women to chat comics, fiction, and pop culture. Bitches are both wanted and encouraged on our podcast. We speak with amazing guests about the media they've created, critiqued, and loved. And you don't have to just take our word for the great time we're having over here. We've been named a Best Comic Book Podcast by several publications, including Book Riot, The Mary Sue, and Comic Book Herald. So tune in and listen to us talk with your faves like Carmen Maria Machado, Amy Chu, Mari Naomi, Anthony Oliveira, and many, many others. 
Our whole goal is to include more folks in the comic book and pop culture world and to help new readers find comics and speculative books they'll love, with no shade for being new. You can find Bitches on Comics wherever you get your podcasts, and you can learn more at bitchesoncomics.com.